Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. The football weekend is upon us, and around turn four we go into Saturday and Sunday for the college football and NFL weekend. OutKick 360 and the OutKick network in Knoxville, Cool Beans. Great location in downtown, great crowd on hand, and we are getting ready for kickoff between Tennessee and Alabama. Uh, plenty of headlines, news, and notes across the college and NFL uh, scene, and we will hit that over the next hour as we lead you in to your Friday evening. Listening on this great radio station or watching us live at OutKick.com, as well as other social platforms, you can follow us and interact at OutKick360. Uh, Tennessee, Alabama, I have a feeling where this is on the top 10 games of the weekend for Chad Withrow. But there are plenty of great college football games, six of them in total, between top 25 ranked opponents this week. Chad, let's hear it. Your top 10 games of the week. Do you think that those six games... Do I think what now? Do you think those six games between ranked teams will appear in this top ten list? I think, yes, I think all all six. You're a smart man. And you're maybe a, your top six. You're a very smart man. Hey, also, by the way, thanks to Cool Beans for hosting us today. Yeah. It's been the final hour of the show. Terrific crowd throughout. Uh, been a lot of fun. Great host for us today. And also thanks to our friend Jana with Preserve Press. Yes. Who gave us... These little um, lapel pins? Yeah, lapels. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Lapel pins? So I've yeah. got the uh, State of Tennessee outline in the checkerboard. I've what do you the, have? I've got the T that she gave to me. So. And they're from where? Preserve Press. Preserve Press. Jana does a great awesome. job. Very artistic. I'm not very artistic, but you know what I know? College football. And that's what we're going to get to right now. My top ten games of the week. Hutton, we begin, as we normally do, with number ten on the list. Arkansas at BYU this week. Arkansas badly needs a win. Trying to avoid four straight. They go to Provo. BYU coming off a loss to Notre Dame. Um, This is a really good game that Hutton, I agree with you when you said earlier this week, not a lot of people are going to watch because it's up against Tennessee and Alabama. Yeah. But my uh, game number 10, Arkansas at BYU. I'm just intrigued about this more from an Arkansas perspective. Getting K.J. Jefferson back, can they start to right the ship? as they enter the back half of the season. So consider this about Arkansas. Three losses in a row now, the last two in blowout fashion. And again, K.J. Jefferson's playing a factor in that because he's not available. But since making it, it was 28-23 against Alabama at the time. Since that point in that game, they've been outscored 61-20, to and they've allowed more than 700 yards of offense in roughly five quarters of football. That's rough. This is a tough stretch. This is a tough road trip to make for any opponent. And if you haven't been to Provo, it's just different. It's a different vibe. However, 
it's a little earlier in the day than BYU would like it. Therefore, I think Arkansas can pick up a road victory. Yeah, I do too. And uh, really unfortunate against A&M with the kick yeah, oh, and with no a lot doubt. of things happening there. No but that has kind of spiraled into the – they were always going to lose to Bama, but it's kind of spiraled into this three-game losing streak but in now. This span, in this span, without K.J. Jefferson, their defense has not stepped up. In fact, they are among the 12 worst defenses in the nation with K.J. Jefferson out. That's n- that's not ideal for what we're seeing from that style of play that they want to run. Let's stay in the SEC. Game number nine, one I'm really interested in, LSU at Florida. Gators a two-and-a-half-point home favorite in this one. Hunt, I'm interested from this standpoint. Two first-year head coaches, highly thought-of guys, going to tradition-rich winning Southern programs, yeah. trying to establish their identity in year one, trying to give recruits and their fan base something to latch on to. I think so far, Billy Napier's doing a better job in year one of grabbing his fan base's attention, grabbing their good thoughts, um, and in recruiting also. Not that Brian Kelly's done a bad job. It's just been an awkward first few months for Brian Kelly on the job at LSU. Important game because there's bragging rights involved. There's not a ton of big things to play for for these two teams this year. But this feels like a big scene setter for so, what's to come between these two. Is th- do we call this a battle of underachieving quarterbacks, or do we call LSU Florida a battle of two premier programs that are just trying to keep their bowl season life together? One of these teams on October the fifteenth will have three losses. Yep. That, that's. I mean, we, I don't think we. I didn't think Florida, especially after Week One. I didn't think Florida would reach that point this quickly. LSU, though, is kind of expected. I I feel like it was a, a seven-win over-under, right? I think that we had that topic. Yeah. Florida, after the, the win against Utah, I'm thinking, man, this this feels like a better program right now. I, I, I haven't felt that way about LSU. I feel like they've been on par with where the bar was set for them preseason. I'm not saying that's fair or unfair for what Brian Kelly had year one. I'm just saying... I think Florida, to this point, has underachieved more based on the week one result to Utah. I also think that in comparing the two quarterbacks, the ceiling for Anthony Richardson is a lot higher than Jay oh, Daniels. Yeah. We, I think we saw the ceiling here in Knoxville for Anthony Richardson in Florida where he was great throwing the ball that I, day. I, mean, I think we saw the ceiling against Utah. Yeah, and, but I, I mean, mean it, yeah, in a win for sure, but I thought he was really good against Tennessee throwing the ball, better than I've seen. And that's the step he's got to take. So good matchup to watch there. Game number eight. Let's go to the Big Ten West. Formerly the Big Ten Legends division that we all hated. Yeah. Now the Big Ten West. Minnesota at 24th ranked Illinois. Who saw it with the Illini coming into this season? <laughs> and Brett Bielema, he's got his team ranked hosting Minnesota, but Minnesota the six and a half point favorite. Minnesota got off to that great start this season. Had a really disappointing blowout loss. Uh, but now here they are Two teams legitimately vying for a Big Ten West championship and a spot in the Big Ten championship game, Minnesota at Illinois. You know what you're going to get with Illinois? Uh, Minnesota's uh, similar. They both want to run the football. This is going to be a grinded-out type game. And I feel like Minnesota can win this game. I just I'm, I would not take them minus six and a half. Yeah, you know, I'm that, with you. I think it's a tight game. Minnesota, I wouldn't pick Minnesota to lose. I don't think they're winning by more than a touchdown. Here's a game that I find very difficult to pick. 
number 15, NC State, at number 18, Syracuse. It's our seventh best game of the week, my seventh game of the week. Syracuse, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I wrote about this at OutKick.com. If Syracuse wins, suddenly they are playing Clemson in a very big game in the, I believe, the ACC Atlantic. We went through this yesterday. Could be two undefeated teams playing next week. First, though, they've got to beat NC State. NC State's got decent talent. They've got a, a solid defense. They've been underwhelming with Devin Leary at quarterback. Yes. Um, this is a great opportunity for Dino Baber's team at home to stay undefeated. So far, Syracuse's biggest win this year was over Purdue, and they blew out Louisville. Outside of that, they've beaten some nobodies. But a great opportunity for Syracuse in this one at home. So the first thing I thought when I, when I saw this game earlier this week, does America know that Syracuse is unbeaten? They need to. We're trying to tell them. Well, they will if they win. Uh, they'll win. I feel like the media will make it known to America if they well, beat NC they'll State. They'll make it known because, I think because everybody it's gonna... was on board with the Wolfpack. Yeah. From last year, whenever UCLA bowed out of that bowl game uh, due to you know fake COVID with their excuses, okay, they didn't want to play. They didn't, you know, they had players in and out of the program. Right. And the Wolfpack were upset and rightfully so because they wanted the ten-win season. They didn't get it. They were talking. They're pretty good last year. Yeah. And that carried momentum into the season. And now I think not many people have watched a ton of NC State. If they have, it's one or two games. And I don't think anyone's watched Syracuse. So I think we learn about Syracuse. If they win, we'll start to have some one or two names that become household names across college football. I think also a Syracuse win would mean the hype machine will get going just to hype up whoever has the broadcast next week of Syracuse Clemson. Oh. So that's going to help people know that Syracuse is undefeated. Yeah, and then that that could be a game day. That game day could be on, on campus in Clemson. And I, I look, I, the Northeast is not what you immediately think of for college football, obviously, but I think it's good when there's a really good team in the Northeast, and Syracuse could become that team this year. Game number six, number four Clemson at Florida State. Clemson, a three-and-a-half point favorite. We're staying in the ACC for this one. These next three games for Clemson, they've got at Florida State, they host Syracuse, they get a bye, and they go to South Bend to take on Notre Dame. Going to tell us everything we need to know about Clemson, and if they get through this stretch unscathed, go ahead and put them down for a college football playoff spot with the remainder of their schedule. But a big one first at Florida State, the Tigers only a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Well, and that's because Florida State has talent. Yes. They – just look at the first game of the season against LSU. FSU was significantly, in my opinion, faster than LSU. And that's why I think the spread is the way it is. It's – I think Florida State's being overlooked top to bottom roster-wise on their overall talent. Now, the question is, is the coaching up to snuff with what they're about to face with Dabo? Clemson has struggled offensively to start. Then it was defense. Then it was back to offense. And the question is now from Vegas's view is, are they going to put everything together? They don't have to do that week in and week out in the ACC. Would they be unbeaten right now in the SEC? I don't think so. But it doesn't matter. They can still make the college football playoff where they are, and they're on track here. And you mentioned the three games they're in, the, the span of three games they're in. They're coming out of back-to-back games against Wake Forest and NC State. Yeah. You know, that was the gauntlet stretch well, preseason, and now they're entering the gauntlet stretch based on how things have developed. Even though it was a close win and the defense was not good against a very good Wake Forest offense, albeit, they scored 51 points. 
So that's the first time I thought, okay, maybe they're figuring it out now offensively. We know they have the defense to be a college football playoff team. So that was a big one for Clemson. These next three are going to be big starting with tomorrow against Florida State. Self, self-inflicted wounds, though, with FSU has set them back because they had uh, they, they, play, they made some plays against Wake, and then early, you know, they – they, they pounced on, on Wake there, and then they defeated NC State. So yep. can they just play mistake-free football? They can win this game. Game number five, back to the SEC. Here we go. Mike Leach yes. going back to Lexington, a place where he was a, a great offensive coordinator. Mississippi State at Kentucky. Kentucky's going to get Will, Will Levis back. It certainly appears that way. Will he be 100%? We saw Kentucky without Will Levis. It was certainly worse than we've seen Kentucky before. But Hutton, that offense is not that good regardless. That's a team that's got to win with defense. They've shown the ability to defend those crossers from Mike Leach's air raid offense. They can defend this team. They're going to have to, I think. Mississippi State better on defense than people think. Um, This is a big game for Kentucky. Huge for Mississippi State, too. We said it yesterday. Two biggest good surprises in the SEC, Tennessee and State so far. Mississippi State going to Kentucky. This would be Kentucky's third loss. Yeah. All in the SEC. Not good. Kentucky needs to hold serve and win this game at home. And I, I said yesterday, too, to me, this is a chance for Mississippi State to take Kentucky's spot in the pecking order of the SEC and how we view them. Because Kentucky was placed somewhere on the shelf of third, fourth, fifth, wherever you wanted to rank them right. in the SEC. And Mississippi State was a shelf Pick or two below. second in the East. Here's the thing about Kentucky, though. They don't have to be great offensively. They proved that last year when they won 10 games. What they can't do is have the the, the self-inflicted penalties. They had five false starts against South Carolina. Against South Carolina at home, five can't false happen. starts. That's what's beating them. It's not Will Levis in or out. The offense is just decent when he's there. Defense and mistake-free football and the run game, ball control, uh, staying in front of the chains. That's what allows Stoops to win games at Kentucky. They have not been doing that nearly to the level they did a year ago. Game number four, Hutton. Stepping out of the SEC, going to the Pac-12. USC at Utah. I love this matchup. USC, Lincoln Riley's first year. They go from 4-8 and eight to undefeated right now with the help of a lot of transfers, including Jordan Addison, who's one of the best receivers in the country, at Utah. This is opportunity number three for the Utes to show off all show off all that toughness yeah. and resilience and physicality we heard about all offseason with this team. They were supposed to show that off in, in Florida. They did to an extent, but a late interception by Cam Rising into the end zone ended their chances. They got another big opportunity, this time at home. Utah at three-and-a-half-point home favorite against USC. And Hutton, even though they failed in their first two opportunities, against Florida, and then at UCLA, I think Utah gets it done in this one. So so you think the Utah defense that showed up previous to UCLA shows up against USC because they had a great they, – no, they, they lead the conference in yards allowed. Um, they only allow 179 yards per game through the air defensively. Now keep in mind, they're going up against Addison – who leads the team 32 catches, 479 yards. He has six touchdown catches. Uh, he's tied for the team lead in touchdowns with their running back and Travis Dye. Point being, they were worked over last week by UCLA. Yeah. 
And if you think that carries over for USC, I don't know how they win this game, even at home. But I still believe in the formula that Whittingham has there. I, I realize we've been fooled a couple times, and they're more frauds than they are proving us right. But this is the game that they have had circled for their home matchup all season whenever Lincoln Riley took over and all the transfers joined them. This has been a this has been the ticket there. USC had a bad offensive showing at Oregon State earlier this year. I think Utah has a defense comparable to the Beavers that plays a similar way that they can affect USC in this game. But I think this is USC's first loss of the year. But again, I've been fooled hey, by Utah before. I didn't I'm, think I'm, UCLA I was going to do to that to them. them. I want to pick Utah. You know how I like the Utes here. Um, I'm trying not to be fooled again because, you know, they've made me look awful with how much I hyped them up in the preseason. And I, it fools gold to this point. They lead their conference in time of possession, 33 minutes per game. I think they got a rush for like 200 yards in this game. They got to control the clock. They gave up like 300 yards passing to UCLA. I've got to think that the passing attack from USC can match that, right? At least that, that's what my brain's telling me here. I would love to see Utah win this game. We get to find out tomorrow. Hutton, do you like offense? I like offense. Love it. Oklahoma State and TCU is going to deliver some offense tomorrow. TCU ranked 13th, hosting the Cowboys ranked 8th. TCU a four-point underdog. Um, I think Sonny Dykes has done, I don't think, I know, he's done a terrific job at TCU so far. We know Gundy is going to play some offense <laughs> also. There's going to be some fireworks in this game. This is a great one in the Big 12 that's going to have lasting championship for that conference implications. It is not Texas and Oklahoma as the most consistent programs in the Big 12 right now and going back to last year. And It is Oklahoma State and TCU. I don't think they're getting enough recognition for that. No, you're right. And Because we think about the brands. Right. All, all, These are the consistent programs right now. And You know what's crazy about we that, overlooked too, that With both? I was thinking about this with Oklahoma State. When's the last time we looked at Oklahoma State with a top 15 recruiting class? Or even noticed I mean, them anywhere near the top? I mean, I can't, I, I can't I, tell I, you because... It, it's, it's a mystery to even either, figure out where their roster is from yeah. and how they recruit. They're either not, but it works. They're either not there or we just glance over them. I've done it. Yeah. You know, I just glance over the Cowboys because I'm like, ah, Oklahoma State. But they could, I mean, these are the top two programs in the conference. I think it's just a good job of evaluation by Mike Gundy. He knows the type of player he wants. And the guys that choose to go to Oklahoma State fit in that culture under Gundy, and it works. So, And I think the same is go going to be said as Dykes continues at TCU. Here's the matchup that determines the game. The TCU offensive line has allowed only seven sacks this year. Oklahoma State leads the conference. They average nearly three and a half sacks per game. That determines the matchup here. TCU leads the nation in 8.1 yards per play on average. Wow. That's getting it done. That is getting it this done. It's a fun game. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of what fun. What time is this game? 3.30 Eastern? Uh, Another believe... game no one's going to watch? Let me let me double check. I think it's it's a it's a late afternoon, 2.30 okay. Central, 3.30. Yeah, again, like um, DVR this game. DVR this game in, in Arkansas-BYU because you're going to want to watch more than the highlights here. If you DVR the Commanders and Bears last night, 
and you DVR this game, it's going to look like two different sports are being played uh, when you look at the offense of this one as, compo- as a, uh, compared to the other one. Chad, just just to further your point on Sonny Dykes, and you're right. 3.30, 3.30 on ABC. Okay. Uh, um, Sonny Dykes, he's the first TCU coach since 1929. Coach Mack was saying this last night when I saw him. Frogs. Sonny Dykes, first TCU coach since 1929 to win his first five games with the Frogs. Dykes also started 5-0 and each of the last three seasons with SMU. Not that, a bad, that's, that's not getting a bad stat. Coming out of the gate strong. We're going to come out of the gate strong tomorrow on a football Saturday with a big noon kickoff on Fox. Penn State at Michigan. Number 10 at number 5. This, to me, is a very clear-cut number 2 game with yes. conference implications. And we'll get to number 1 momentarily. Michigan, a 7-point favorite. James Franklin had the bad COVID year. Had a really bad finish to last season. Yeah. But here he is. He went to Auburn and did what you need to to that Auburn program. He destroyed them and ran all over them. He's got a, an electric freshman running back in Nick Singleton. Uh, Blake Corum is going to run it also for Michigan in this game. Two great rushing attacks. This is good Big Ten football. Well, they've got Catron Allen, too. This is going to be a great atmosphere. Yeah. Not as good as the one here in Knoxville, but it's going to be a great atmosphere and huge game for the Big Ten, and it's going to have sort of a 1992 feel to it with this Penn State-Michigan team. So this is why this is, this is a tough game for me to pick, Chad, because the Wolverines, they're averaging 31 points per game. They're 6-0, and 3-0 with the Big Ten. They, they're, they're unbeaten, but they've played lesser opponents, right? Penn State is unbeaten, and they've played a better schedule. To this point. Yep. So are you trusting the schedule this year, or are you trusting Michigan from last year carrying over to this year where they remain unbeaten? That's the struggle I have here. I think Penn State wins this game. I think Penn State's better this year. And, it's, and this is coming from a guy who picked Michigan to be in is, the college football uh, playoff. Before it's the been year. a while since a quarterback went in and won at the big house, and it was this quarterback at Penn State. Sean Clifford. Game number one. We're here. We're at Cool Beans in Knoxville. Why are we here? Not because we do the show in Nashville and it was a short drive, but because the short drive led to the center of the college football universe. Alabama at Tennessee, three at number six. Just like Michigan-Penn State, it's a seven-point spread, but the road team is favored in this one. Alabama, a touchdown favorite in this one, Hutton. We've been previewing it throughout the week. We've talked about it today a lot I think this game comes down to a number of factors the biggest one is is Bryce Young going to play and how effective and how healthy is he in this game if he does if he's close to 100% if that non-throwing shoulder is not an issue I think Alabama I don't think Alabama is the more talented team and they've got game records deeper team they've got more game breakers Will Anderson uh, Jameer Gibbs Bryce Young, if he's playing, than yep. Tennessee has, especially without Cedric Tillman, who is probably not going to play. We heard from Trey Wallace earlier today. They've got bigger playmakers. They're deeper. They've got more talent. I think they win. I don't think it's a blowout because Tennessee has been so good offensively. They're going to have a puncher's chance. Well, they're not going to be rattled by the moment. Yes. Yeah. Now, if it's Milrow in this game, it comes down to. Is what we've seen from Tennessee in run defense a mirage? We're going to find out because this is far and away the best back they face this year. Chad, when we come back, let's dive a layer or two deeper in this matchup. Let's do it. Because I want to point out some some highlights with the Tennessee offense. 
and the matchup within Saban's defense in this game tomorrow that determines, I think, the outcome here. Can't wait. For Hendon Hooker and, and others. We'll also give some picks around the NFL, previewing all the big football games on Outkick 360. Miss a portion of the show? Subscribe to the podcast. Search Outkick 360 wherever you download your podcasts. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Big thanks to uh, all of our crew back in Nashville making it happen. Got Tyler, Brooke, Colin. I don't know if Matt's working today or not. Is Hopefully they're enjoying their Friday. Yeah. You know, we're enjoying a Friday here in Knoxville. Hopefully they're enjoying Those their Friday. Those are the Friday three that I know are there. Matt, uh, shout out to you wherever you are. Um, Matt is on the way to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which what was my response to that? Sounds terrible. <laughs> Sounds awful. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm much happier to be here in Knoxville getting ready for Tennessee, Alabama uh, than Maddie is going to Cedar Rapids. Huge thanks to, to Corey and uh, Davey for hooking us up here as we broadcast live at Cool Beans. I was uh, making my way through. It's packed um, behind us in the bar. I was trying to go to the restroom in the break, and Davey had to come find me. Saying, hey, we're back in 60. And I was... <laughs> They uh, they had me pinned in there where I could I could not in the bathroom or in yeah, the bar. It, yeah, the bathroom's tiny. Yeah, and I could not get out of the door because uh, people try to get in and out of the bathroom at the same That's time. That's where you got to barrel your way out. <laughs> you just become a fullback, open up a hole. Corey knows what to do in that setting. You just got to go you, right through people. Guys, imagine, like, I'm going. I'm seeing. Uh, Hutton's no longer with us. What happened? Um, he died in the Cool Beans bathroom during the commercial break. You just yeah. got on the floor and, and uh, yeah. in the sweat box. You went into shock yeah. because you're getting surrounded <laughs> in the bathroom. Would have been better. You just walked back, bloodied and well, scarred because you got in a fight trying to exit the bathroom. It's one of the it's one of the rare places where you're you are punished for trying to wash your hands because you're trapped right there by the door where you can't get out behind it. There, uh, Brooke cool. lets us know that Matt's in Iowa. Godspeed, Matt. Yeah, Cedar Cedar Rapids, I think, is what I heard. Cedar Rapids. Um, by the way, uh, no one has washed their hands at Cool Beans <laughs> since 2004. So well, I can I, broke I can, the streak. I can vouch for that. I broke the streak. So, now you're the first. Congratulations. <laughs> All these people you see around you right now that are hanging out having a good time, none of them are washing their hands. None of them. Hit us up on uh, Twitter at Outkick360 uh, for the Colts. Colts Jags this weekend. Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, both questionable for the Jags game. Just pointed that out for our fantasy football players out there. You've got Taylor with the ankle injury. Naheem Hines, who was concussed after his first play, first snap, first catch in the game last week. Tennessee and Alabama. So, Chad, let's roll through. Tennessee has an offense that is unlike any in the country. When you look at the numbers, you can watch them play and tell that. But let's, let's dive in through the numbers here. The big plays. Tennessee has 16 passing plays of 31 yards or more. 
That's the most in the country. 12 plays of at least 39 yards. That's also most in the country. Those are game-winning plays. So, you know, when you look at the explosive, you're, you're flipping field position. Even if you don't score, you're flipping field position. And at worst, in, in many cases, you're getting three instead of seven. But in most cases for Tennessee's offense, they're getting seven. Um, that's one or two easy touchdowns in a game. And that's how you win in college football. Number two, prioritizing the run game. Tennessee's the only offense in America with over 1,700 passing yards that also has an offense in the backfield that runs the ball more than 56% of the time. So they throw it all over the yard, but they're able to stay balanced while doing so. I'm not saying that they're great at running the football, but with the combination of what they've done early in the season and pairing that now with Hendon Hooker, that is allowing them to get chunk yards even when they're defended well on, on some passing downs, where I felt like last year, you know, if it's second and five, that's a, that could be a rundown. It wasn't necessarily last year for Tennessee. They can do that now. And a lot of that, too, is a pass play that Hendon Hooker ends up converting on. But point being, I think the run game's overlooked because you look at this Tennessee offense and you think it's pass and, you know, uh, it's a, you, know, you think Mike Leach, right? Yeah, and no, it's, it's, it's not, not that. that. And Jabari Small is coming off his best game last week against LSU, the Tennessee running back. Big part of it is, and you mentioned it, Hendon Hooker getting involved in the run game. Had some big runs against Florida that helped them in the run game. Had a couple big runs against LSU, helped them get to that yep. 256 yards or whatever it was in the ground in that game. Tennessee does run. I want to go back to that first point okay. about explosive yeah. plays also for Tennessee. They get those explosive plays because the way they're going to line up, it's going to force you to go man-to-man, single coverage on someone, right? And they're unafraid to take that shot. Hinton Hooker's great at throwing the deep ball, and they trust their receivers one-on-one. Kool-Aid McKinstry, some of these players, Jordan Battle. Those are great names in this game, by the way. Squirrel White, Kool-Aid McKinstry. I'm glad you brought that up. I want to see a Squirrel White (laughs) Kool-Aid matchup in this game where just out of nowhere – Squirrel White's featured for the first time, and it's a battle with Kool-Aid head-to-head. But Tennessee's unafraid to take those chances. I do think it's a different beast when you're looking at trying to beat these guys one-on-one. Cedric Tillman was able to do it a few times a year ago to get some explosive plays for Tennessee's offense. But it's different against Bama. I want to point this out, though. Like, Do you think that Heupel gets the credit that he deserves for designing these plays during, during the week? Let me explain. If Saban pitches, if they hold Tennessee under 21 points, it's the Saban scheme, right? Yeah. If Tennessee puts up 50, is it the hypole offense or is it a combination of individual plays and Hendon Hooker? I think if he puts up, if Tennessee puts up well, 50, uh, 38, it, it, it's going to uh, be yeah. Name it's, your name it, your number that would imp- impress the, the masses. It's going to be uh, offense. It's Heupel's offensive system. And if they're scoring that, I mean, even if it's 38, let's say, there's also going to be design plays that are wide open. And Josh Heupel is great at three, I, four times a game. Yes. Not just taking a one-on-one chance, but they're going to have some seam to a tight end who's running free. They're going – their offense, because it's going so fast, it's fast, it also brings about busts, right? And we saw that a year ago against Bama where there were a couple of big secondary busts in that game for the tide that Tennessee took advantage of. So I think that's a big part of it um, as well. And to answer your question, 
Yeah, I think that Josh Heupel is starting to get a, well, enough let me rephrase credit it. for that. Let me rephrase it. It's not even Hendon Hooker individual plays. The credit goes to the speed of the offense, how fast are to the line of scrimmage, the pace, the tempo. That's what gives – that's what people lean into on why they're doing what they're doing. And I think it's a lot during the week, like 90% during the week, on how they scheme plays open that look like – somehow the tempo set a player up because he's tired on the third snap of a series. But it, it's, it's all by design. And I, you know, I'm not thinking he's asking for that credit. I just think we, we're missing out on a really smart game plan week in and week out if we're not looking in more to what they're doing within the playbook instead of, did they snap this football within 13 seconds of the end of the snap or 20? Oh, wait, they... They had a drive for longer than two and a half minutes. That's unusual, right? That yeah. We're normally looking at the pace of play. So I think that there's a scenario where if Tennessee's going to win this game, Josh Heupel has to outcoach Nick Saban, okay? I'm going to say that to start. For Alabama to win, I don't think Nick Saban has to outcoach Josh no, Heupel. No. But there is a scenario, just like you're talking about offensively for Tennessee, where you're going to watch defensively what they do from a blitz standpoint and a stunt at some point, or how they utilize Will Anderson, and we could probably point to, boy, that's a great job by Nick Saban and his defensive staff getting pressure on Hinton Hooker quicker than we've seen, affecting him by hitting him in this game. You know, we yeah. talked about Bryce Young's injury. Hinton Hooker's been hit a lot, and he runs a lot too. So that's, that's a factor in this game, Saban and his defensive coaches and what they do against Tennessee. Run game is extremely important in this game and it, let, let me just emphasize the Tennessee run game with one other stat think about the teams in the SEC who run the ball well Alabama's one of them of course but Kentucky right yep. that travels LSU LSU Chad they average 37 runs offensively per game Kentucky averages 35 Alabama runs the ball on average 37 times per game as well. And then there's Tennessee. Tennessee, most teams have played six games. Tennessee have played just five. They average 44 rushes per game. Again, 37 for Bama, 37 for LSU, 35 for Kentucky. 11th most in the country is what they average, running the football, not passing it. Can they run on this Alabama offense to the point, or defense to the point where their offense is balanced like they have been? Because I think that that's really the ingredient. That's the supercharged gasoline to the offense that allows all of this to manufacture into tempo, points, possessions, uh, you know, wh whatever you want to point to and how he sets up plays as a play caller. So Tennessee runs it two different ways, and one of them is with a pass. Let me explain. Yep. Watch their first down. They're either going to hand it off to Jabari Small or Jalen Wright, or they're going to flip it quick to the Fire outside, it. and it's going to be a three-on-two advantage, right? They're going to have two guys out blocking, and they're going to have Make a numbers a advantage. And then it's it's usually five yards yeah, at minimum. Yeah, four or five, but again, right. you're setting up second and manageable. Correct. If you complete it, usually it's three or four. But that first down play, it's critical for a lot of teams, but especially for Tennessee, because if they don't get that five-plus-yard play on first down – they don't get into the tempo they want to get you into, right? They see the play, they hit it, and then once they get you in the personnel you want, they're going to start playing a lot faster and get a rhythm going. But that's why when you hit on Tennessee's running game against Alabama's defensive front is so important because what you cannot have happen, 
this will kill your drive immediately against Bama. Not against everyone. Tennessee's good enough to overcome this against a lot. But if you have a minus two rush, if you go negative on first down, yeah. or you're not, you're barely getting to the line of scrimmage, Bama's got you a lot of the time. They're giving up 22% on third down this year defensively. The best in the SEC. So that's where they that's get you. That's impressive. That is where... That's where it's danger zone for Tennessee on every drive is it's when they try to run. And they're going to they're gonna run, and they're going to need to run in this game. But if it's a negative play on first down or they're getting nothing, they're, they're in trouble. Well, keep this in mind, too. The, the run game, just a final thought, Chad. Tennessee makes you defend the entire field. Can they do that against Bama's defense? To me, that's the matchup within Saban and scheming up, how they make them more one-dimensional. There are teams on Alabama's schedule that will abandon the run at some point. Right. Or, you know, they get very one-dimensional one way or the other because that's their bread and butter. That's what they can lean on. That's what they trust. Um, For the most part, Tennessee forces you to defend not only vertically with their offense but sideline to sideline, either through the run game or, like you're saying, with a quick screen that's a a – a branch of the run game. Yeah, they treat it like a run. It's an extended run. Can they can they stay extended balanced enough to where you you literally have to defend every bit of Neyland Stadium tomorrow? If they do, they're in this game late in the fourth. I agree with what everyone's saying. If not, I think this is a great game that ultimately ends with uh, a possession where Bama gets the advantage and they're already up six and they go down and make it a 13-point game. Yeah, I, and I, I, I'm watching every... I'm under, the, I'm under the umbrella here that Bryce Young's playing, by the way. Yeah, me too. But I, I'm a, every first play of every possession for Tennessee is something I'm going to keep an eye on in this game. It's something I'll be tracking mentally throughout as we're in Neyland Stadium watching how effective are they and what happens on that drive when they're not effective. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick 360. When we come back, we'll give our picks for the weekend, Tennessee-Bama and much more. I think people should be able to figure out where we're headed with this game, Tennessee-Bama. We'll give the rest of the SEC picks. We'll look ahead to the NFL as well. It's all straight ahead as we get you to the weekend on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What a fun fall day in Knoxville. Outkick 360. Glad you're with us across the Outkick network, getting you ready for the college football and NFL weekend. Outside of Tennessee, Alabama, Chad, which game most interests you tomorrow? Uh, It's easy to go with my number two game, which is the big noon kickoff game, Michigan and Penn State. Um, I'm going to go with an SEC game that's kind of off the radar. That I think was ninth on my list. I'm really interested in, in LSU and Florida. 
uh, for both these first-year coaches and what they're trying to do. I think another one, I'm giving you way too many answers here, Uh, Mississippi State, Kentucky. Because I really think this is, for Kentucky, this has got to be the rally the troops, have the season that you wanted to have moment. If they win this game, it's all there for the taking for them to still have that season. They get Tennessee in a couple weeks in Knoxville. They still play Georgia. There's a lot of opportunity left, but you win, you lose three games in the SEC that quickly and lose to South Carolina at home, it's hard to see them having that season, right? Um, is it – I mean, I've, I've, I'm almost ashamed I'm not staying in the SEC for my number two game. For me, it's USC-Utah, and here's why. The Trojans can make the college football playoff. They've got to beat Utah. Yep. They've got an easier path than Clemson, um, at least I, I think, because Clemson's going through the gauntlet now over a five-week stretch. And I, I'm curious to see what the, what the polls would look like if USC's unbeaten and U, UCLA remains that way. They get over that hump late in the year. And then you've got Clemson playing South Carolina. So well, that it, it, if you have the unbeatens and unbeaten, yeah. which way do you which way do you go there for the number four? Again, I'm looking at this through the lens that there's two SEC uh, uh, teams and Ohio State. I, I know, Chad, you think Michigan could get there too. I think USC has a shot, and the way Utah's valued, they've lost two games, and they're 20th in the country. So I, I really feel like that game is the most impactful for the college football playoff because for USC – yeah, Utah's not going to get there, but if USC wins, it's highly likely they're going to go undefeated. I at think that so. Point. I mean, and then here's their schedule. And I think that that's going to make them a college football playoff team. You know, Tennessee-Alabama is really not an elimination game for either one of them, whoever loses that game, right, because of the power of their schedule and the strength of their schedule. I mean, look at look, – so USC has Utah this week. Then they're, they've got three games, Arizona, Cal, and Colorado. They get to finish the season to their benefit – against UCLA, who right now is number 11. And then they'll host Notre Dame, who the media adores, regardless of what's going on. So they get to finish strong and then go into the Pac-12 championship where they have a chance to potentially face Utah or whoever, the number two team. Could be UCLA, whatever. It's not divisional this year. They have a chance to make a true impact, but they I don't think they can slip up to the, to the extent that Clem, like Clemson could still make an exclamation point in the ACC championship game, right? Yeah. USC, I think, needs to stay unbeaten. Yeah, this is an elimination game for USC to, to me, so it's the most impactful. But, I mean, there's so many good games to pick. This is really – it was easy for me to get ten games, but all ten of those games are really good. Yeah. I can make an argument in weekend. all ten of them. It's a really good weekend for college football, uh, but it, it starts right here in Knoxville. But, again, it's also – this this does not feel like elimination for either team that loses this game tomorrow between Tennessee and Alabama. Well, let's go rapid-fire SEC. All right. Uh, 11 a.m. Central tomorrow, Auburn on the road in Oxford against Ole Miss. This will be Brian Harson's final game as Auburn coach. Ole Miss big. I don't know if it's his final game. I do think the Rebels win. Can they win big? If they do, you're, you're right. I don't know if I trust. What's big? 21, 28 points? The way they run it with Zach Evans – it's going to be a lot bigger running day than what Penn State did to them with Nick Singleton. That's what I okay, expect well, in this game. Um, we'll save Alabama-Tennessee for the end. Georgia-Vandy, we're taking the Bulldogs. 
Arkansas at BYU. I am taking the Hogs here on the road, even though I acknowledge this is a very difficult road trip and road environment. It's kind of a culture-type moment and win for Sam Pittman. I think getting K.J. Jefferson back in this game, I'm taking the Hogs as well to go on the road and get the, the slight upset, basically a pick em right now between those two. I believe, like you believe, I think Anthony Richardson's the better quarterback tomorrow, tomorrow evening, 6 o'clock, ESPN, Florida over LSU. I'm taking Florida over LSU. Mississippi State on the road covers against Kentucky. Four and a half point spread. Yeah. You want to double it? Say it. I think Kentucky wins. <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Kentucky in this game. Oh, you I, think Kentucky I, wins? I think they pull it back together. And uh, Will Levis coming back is not going to make that offense great. Mm-mm. And I'm not big on Will Levis. But I think defensively that's where Kentucky can play with Mississippi State. I think Kentucky gets a big home win. Give me Mississippi State. Um, Alabama, Tennessee. We talked about this earlier. You and I have been leaning Bama all week, and we're around the same score. I think it's closer. I think Tennessee could cover this but still lose the game. You think Alabama could cover by a point? Likely no Cedric Tillman. Right. I'm going under the assumption that Bryce Young will give it a go. Me too. Um, Alabama wins this game, 38-30. It's a talent. There's a gap in talent still. Tennessee's offense is great. They're on the right path. Josh Heupel's doing a terrific job. They're not Bama. They're not going to be Bama tomorrow. Bama comes into Knoxville and gets a win. You know I'm taking uh, the Chiefs over the Bills. The Chiefs are the home underdog for the first time with Patrick Mahomes as the starter. Who do you take? This is a tough one. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go Chiefs. I, I think that they get the – I don't know. I've been going back and forth this all week. It's tough. Get, give me the Chiefs. It's a, coin, it's a coin toss in this game. And Sunday night, Philadelphia hosting Dallas. Dallas continues to win. So does Philly. Dallas wins. Cooper Rush plays wow. great. And there's legitimate controversy between him and Dak Prescott. That's my prediction. Give me top flight wide receiver play. Give me Eagles football with Jalen Hurts delivering it to Smith and Brown. That's it for us. Huge thanks to Cool Beans. We are back at it Monday to recap a fabulous football weekend on Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.